1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Scottish Premiership clubs meet to discuss the return of football and league reconstruction. Calls by Rangers, Hearts and Stranraer for an independent inquiry are not on today's agenda and English Premier League clubs are still committed to finishing their season on the pitch. I'm Gordon Duncan. Joining me in the studio is Cammy Bell and from the Man Cave, somewhere outside Glasgow, is Hugh Keevans. Gordon, for me, there are no moral grounds for playing out the remainder of this season. No footballer should be allowed to jump the queue in front of NHS staff or the public for coronavirus testing. No footballer should be put at risk of infecting himself or his family by being forced to return to the field of play before it's medically advisable. And no gathering of fans can be allowed for closed-door games for fear of triggering a second phase of COVID-19. So... The game's up, literally and metaphorically. Let's get on with it, close this season and get on with planning for a return to football later in the year. Yeah, Cammy Bell, yet another week. We don't know if we're any closer to a return. Probably not would be the answer. We're seeing different things happening around Europe, different leagues coming to an end. Of course, we've got all the the political side of things rumbling on here as well. So it's um, an interesting time. Yeah, I think... Probably the political side of things is delaying everything. Um, the vote, the such a mess of a vote that it was, is is put a delay on everything. And um, I think Hugh's right though. What he said that uh, footballers can't be ahead of anybody else. So ultimately, this is a, a pandemic that we're in, and it's a it's a it's a real problem for the world at the moment. So we need to we need to fix that first, and then look at sort of football secondary. And it's uh, it's frustrating for everyone that's involved in football and that loves the game. Um, but we just need to wait a time until it's safe to do so and, and we're guided by the government to be honest And I do laugh Hugh as we come to the end of Goodness knows what week this is without football And I think back to all those people right at the start of this Who said to me quite innocently How are you going to keep Super Scoreboard going? What are you going to talk about on Super Scoreboard with no football? It's been busier than ever Yeah, uh, it's certainly passing the time that's for sure uh, But I repeat I am introducing moral grounds tonight. Never mind this argument and that argument about how quickly can we get back and can we finish the games off. The number of people who would be required to be tested for coronavirus, players, management, officials, everyone associated with a closed-door game, it amounts to hundreds and hundreds of people. They don't have a place in front of people in care homes, people who are being treated for coronavirus, and the public at large. There are 1,500 families and more who have been left feeling tragic under the circumstances because of lost loved ones. Football for this season is over. What's it like as a professional, Cammy? Because that's now another two weeks since we spoke to you last, which is incredible. That's gone in the blink of an eye. We must now be well past the longest period you've ever had, you know, without training or playing. Yeah, it's becoming difficult. It's uh, it's uh, to keep going, and I, I think it's something that the players will be doing. Um, they've got to keep keep themselves in some sort of shape. But again, as you say, this is the longest period I've I've had off in my career, um, and it's going to be a, a good bit longer as well. We've probably got another couple of months in this before we're even allowed to to come back to some sort of training. It might even be longer than that. Um, so then there bears the question of of how long the players need to train for 
before they actually come back um, and, and playing competitive games again Yeah, still seems like there are far more questions than answers But we kind of knew it would be this way If you want to get in touch tonight It's 1025 And we're also on Twitter At Clyde SSB Here with you just uh, until before 8 o'clock But I'm pleased to say to kick us off tonight We're joined on the line by the Celtic captain Scott Brown Scott, how are you? Thanks for joining us I'm fantastic, how are we? Not too bad at all And the thing is Scott I feel like we should just dive straight in And, and address the elephant in the room Because Hugh Keevans is on the show tonight and, and he always tells us that you you once Threatened to throw him into Loch Lomond I just wonder if we can get you both to, to kiss and make up Metaphorically of course uh, Of course I'm maturing in my older age <laughs> And you? Well I'm certainly old uh, And I'm certainly mature Listen In my time In this racket I've Argued with Sir Alex, with Sir Kenny, with Graham Souness, with Martin O'Neill, Neil Lennon, Gordon Strachan. Scott and I went head to head at Loch Lomond. I thought I was going into the drink, but we are both mature men now. And uh, yeah, as I say, that's what happens in football. You get your say, you get your opinion. I have mine. And uh, Scott and I had it out that day. Nobody died, we're fine He threatened to call Dermot Desmond on you, Scott, didn't he? <laughs> I'm still waiting for Dermot's phone call <laughs> Hugh doesn't have his number I don't think there's any danger <laughs> no. of that and No, I, I, owned up, I owned up I've written about it And I've owned up many times I thought, what's my last resort here? Because the knees were knocking together And I thought, I'm going to Loch Lomond here So I thought, I'll use the Dermot Desmond card You're meant to be from the Uh, drum as well, honestly That's not how people handle themselves in that part of the world As I said before If my house was burning down And Dermot Desmond ran the fire brigade I wouldn't have known how to phone him and get the fire put out I had no idea what his number was But then the cavalry came in the form of Paul Hartley is that right, Scott? It was Paul Hartley that, that managed to, to jump to Hugh's defence. I know. Who would have thought a, a jambo would have pulled us apart? Hugh. <laughs> well, I, I, I remember Zico every night in my prayers. He kept me out of Loch Lomond, I think. Right, now that we're pals for, for the, the meantime, uh, Scott, there's only really one way to start, and it's just to find out what, what on earth you've, you've been up to and, and what life's been like for you during these very strange times. Yeah, it's difficult for everyone. I think we're all in the same situation, but um, we've just got to try and do our best to try and get through it and make sure everyone's as safe as we possibly can. But for me personally, I've been trying to keep as fit as I possibly can, playing with the kids. They've been keeping me on my toes, that's for sure. And This uh, whole daddy daycare, uh, <laughs> homeschooling is um, definitely not what I'm made for. That can't be too different from looking after some of the youngsters in that Celtic squad, surely. <laughs> I'm one of the biggest kids. <laughs> well, that's another point. Um, what's the, the, the official process been like, Scott? I mean, the, what sort of contact have you, in your role as a captain, has there been any extra responsibility bestowed on you to, to stay in touch with the players and act as a middleman between them and the club? Yeah, I've been speaking to Peter quite a lot. I've been speaking to the manager as well. We've just been trying to get everything sorted. So when we are back in training or when we can come back into Lennox Town and do bits and bobs, that we're ready, we're all, all fired up, all geared up, ready to go from the world off instead of us being caught on our toes. Because let's be honest, we've got a lot of time to try and make sure everything's 
uh, spot on by the time we come back Yeah how difficult is it to motivate yourself fitness wise Because usually it might be building up to a big game or a big cup final But at the moment you're not really sure what you're building up to Does that make it difficult to, to motivate yourself? I, I think it would be a lot easier if everyone knew If there was a date set Look this is when we're coming back It's the end of May, it's the start of June And we can kind of progress Make sure your fitness levels are all as as always good as we possibly can get them while running outside on the on the roads or in a field or something like that. But the hardest thing is there's no set date, nothing to go back to. So the lads are just trying to keep ticking over as much as they possibly can, just just in case the SFA come back to us just saying that or oh, three weeks time I've got a game, it's behind closed doors or whatever it is, and we'll be as ready as we possibly can for that. Uh, Hugh, I'll put your mic on since you're in the man cave. If you want to put your questions to Scott, yeah. Scott, I read today of Sergio Aguero down south saying he was scared by the prospect of having to come back and play football in the current climate. Now, you're a husband, you're a father of young children. Does it dwell on your mind that there's a danger in a contact sport that you you run the risk of infecting yourself or taking the virus back into your family home? Yeah, I think that goes through everybody's head. You obviously don't want the kids or the the wives to get it. I, I think that's their main thing. And I think down in England, how they're going about it is totally different. They've got a lot, a lot of money to spend. They're spending what five, six million pounds on tests, and they're going to put players in hotels and stuff like that. And all games are going to be played behind closed doors. We've not got that luxury to have. But I think if you go to the the, the supermarket, you're kind of taking that chance as well. So I, I think <laughs> nobody's ever going to be. 100% away from this virus no matter what I think we can just try and make it as safe as we possibly can and if they say football is able to be played behind closed doors if everyone's fine then so be it I think Hugh's got a bit of a delay in, in Bears <laughs> One day and that day may be not very far off Scott uh that, well I, I repeat one day and the day may be not very far off they're going to call this league Scott and uh, they are going to suggest that Celtic, in fact, they're going to declare Celtic champions. I think that's an inevitability now. Uh, people will say, Rangers fans, let's be honest, Rangers fans will say, ah, that's undeserved. What's your reaction to that? Obviously, we want to finish off the season. I think our biggest thing is that we wanted to continue. We had eight games to go. Goal difference is uh, so much better than what Rangers were. And we were in great form, to be perfectly honest, since coming back from Dubai in January. We've kicked right on. We obviously had a tough time on um, the 29th of December, I think it was. But uh, we've managed to take that to the chin. We've went to Dubai. We've worked hard over there. We've came back. We've been flying ever since. We've dropped two points to Livingston. And I think if you're looking on forum, we're, we're going to go on and we're going to uh, increase that gap. And I think that's... That's the hardest thing for the lads, for our fans as well to see because they they want to see us lifting the trophy. They want us to come to Celtic Park to to experience what it is like to lift that nine in a row. Yeah, I mean, Scott, these are completely abnormal times for literally everyone in every walk of life. And that, of course, extends itself to football. If and when that day comes and the decision's taken and Celtic win the title, how how do you think it'll feel compared to the others? No, I'll still feel amazing lifting a title uh, once I eventually get my hands on it. But uh, 
No, I think ninety nine percent of Scotland can see that we're we're flying the now that we're even Rangers of says in a few statements that um, their only chance of silverware was the Scottish Cup because um, even they doubted themselves for in the league. So I think even they know deep down that we do deserve this. I think the lads have worked extremely hard, especially since coming back from Dubai. And I, I just feel sorry for all our players, to be perfectly honest, the backroom staff and everyone that has worked that hard for uh, people to be saying that we don't deserve it because... <laughs> my opinion we, we totally do and I'm going to ask you to a question can any use to see us getting caught Hugh uh, no I don't think Celtic would have been caught I think there would have been a, a chance that Celtic might even have extended the lead that they had over Rangers um, the other great debate going on just now Scott is reconstruction and apparently 80% of the players who are members of PFA Scotland said they were in favour of reconstruction, were you one of the eighty percent? I didn't sign back to it. Um, for me, whatever's going to happen, we, uh, we've been in this position before. We, we obviously didn't uh, want Astrotur pitches as players in the league. It came back, and <laughs> three years later, there's a, an extra Astrotur pitch on it. So for me, I just whatever happens happens. To be perfectly honest, I think the SFA they will come up with a plan. They'll try and get the best. Uh, the best plan possible all put together and come back to the to Peter to all the teams in the league to find out what they say I don't think it's got to be individually I think it's got to be everyone coming together and hopefully try and make the, the Scottish League as good as it possibly can be How do you feel about the, the current setup then Scott we've got 12 at the moment uh, I mean there's talk of you know 16 and things like that but uh, realistically it looks like if we're going to change it would be from 12 to 14 do you like the set up at the moment Can you see room for improvement Or do you like what we've got I think there's always room for improvement I, I think the biggest thing for me Personally is That you get a top six You get a bottom six And whoever finishes Seventh or eighth Usually finishes on more points Than uh, the team that's on six mm-hmm. In sixth position So I, I think looking around, uh, uh, around All the leagues in Europe Nobody else has got that structure So for me If you're going to change then That's going to be the first thing that you, that you try and change I just wonder about the, the bigger picture Scott Cammy Bell's in the studio with us And we were just talking about the fact that this will be And especially for you having played International football and European qualifiers This must be the longest gap By a mile you, you've ever had You know away from training And away from, from the games is it, is it strange to get you know your head around? Yeah it's hard because For me My, my daily routine is getting up Going into training and looking forward to it Going with a smile on my face, having my coffee in the morning, but to not having that routine, it's hard. The, the lads don't know what to do with themselves. We've, we've not really done anything else except from come in since we've been young, play football, and, and a lot of people are in the exact same way as what we are with, with jobs as well. But uh, it's it's hard not being able to get into that routine, to seniors, teammates, to go into that change room to have that little bit of banter as well, and then going on to actually training as well and seeing the manager seeing everyone seeing how it's going to go and then looking forward to the game on the Saturday Yeah I just wonder if it's given you any chance at all to, to think about what comes next Scott it's not a secret you know you've you, I think you've spoken many times about hoping to go on and, and coach and stuff in the future has this gap allowed you to, to, to plan even further I mean do, do you have is it genuine ambitions about becoming a future Celtic manager or is it more of a wait and see approach? 
I think for me, the now, as it stands, I've got to try and play as long as I possibly can <laughs> and just see how long my legs can actually keep going as long as I can keep up the lads and I feel like I'm not slowing down and not <laughs> struggling in training. I just keep going on as long as I possibly can. But further down the line, yeah, coaching's huge on the agenda. It's something that I've kind of enjoyed to do. I've done the under-20s for Celtic before and I enjoyed that with Stevie Frail and Tommy McIntyre before. So I've had that little sniff of it. I did enjoy it. But for me, it's more about playing football as long as I possibly can and continuing this feeling that, to be fair, I'm in a privileged position that I do what I do for a living and it's my hobby and it's the only thing that I've ever really done and, and enjoyed as well. The thing is, Hugh, we, we need them to do it though and become a manager so that you can fall out with them as a manager before you decide to chuck it. So the time is against us slightly. Well, that's it. You know, Scott's a young old man. I am an old, old man. Uh, but I do hope to hang around long enough to add Scott to the managerial list of Sir Alex, <laughs> Sir Kenny, Martin, Sue, Lenny. Uh, well, you're just name-dropping now. Yeah, I know, but he's the, he's the final name to drop before I drop. <laughs> uh, hopefully no time soon. I can't believe we're all just laughing about that as if it's some sort of joking matter. Um, Scott, j- just before we let you go, I'm, I'm hoping you're going to dig out some of your teammates here. We've had the likes of Ryan Christie uh, on the phone. We've had a few others, and we've been asking them if you had to pick out your current teammates, who's the one player that you would absolutely not want to be locked down with? And who's the one that you think you could just about cope with their company? Uh, I think the one that I could cope with that, That's easy I, There's a few of them to be fair But uh, Johnny Hayes He's got He's a wee bit older as well Nobody understands him So <laughs> I, I think it's He's got the same energy levels As what I've got as well So I think for me That's perfect I think the one that I could struggle To deal with Who am I going to give that to? Um, me and Big Hodson I think we're in <laughs> Totally different ends of the world. The big man's <laughs> so chilled out, so relaxed. Thumbs up to training at 9.45 and 25 seconds because as soon as it hits that 46 minute, he's late, he's, late, he's fine. <laughs> uh, where I'm in nice and early, I'm up early with kids. Watson would probably sleep all day and just play the PlayStation at night. And It's not really my cup of tea, that, but uh, I think it's just different. Different people as well And different ages of the career as well So No I think me and Odson Are totally different skills Funny you mentioned him though How do you look back on the season Because from an individual perspective You know it's And I know Listen I know it's small time Compared to what's going on But We would be in In sort of awards season And, and you know Designating who was the player of the year And the young player of the year And all the rest of it Would he be a standout for you Is, is there anyone else you think Would be worthy of that I think him and Callum McGregor I think the two of them have been unbelievable this season Jamesy Forrest has been up there as well so I think the three of them would be pushing Odson's been special especially in a lot of times he's scored some big goals and that's why we want him to stay here he's been fantastic for us uh, in the last couple of seasons since he's came and I'm sure he'll be fantastic for the next two se- uh, couple of seasons as well Scott we'll let you go Daddy Daycare is, is waiting for you we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us tonight no worries lads you take care stay safe as well good man that was Scott Brown Celtic captain and I think it sounds like you're it sounds like you're on good terms Hugh I think you don't need to get the flippers looked out anytime soon nah I think bygones are bygones as I say when Chris Burke was on on Monday 
I said to him that, that it was uh, a career well played uh, and it is a short career when you think about it and I remember uh, Chrissy Burke's uh, debut against Kilmarnock now he's with Kilmarnock uh, when he was a Rangers uh, when he was and I remember Scott Brown going head to head with Neil Lennon when Neil was a Celtic player and Scott was in a Hibs jersey at Easter Road. So he started head to head with Neil Lennon. He finished up head to head with me, and we're all fine. I mean, Cammy, I mean, you you were sort of nodding along there. You recognise a lot of of what Scott was saying about just you know the uncertainty and not being in the routine. And the good thing about this is, as much as this is a football show, this. Probably speaks to everyone Because you don't have to be a footballer Everyone's been taken out of the routine at the moment And it's a little bit unsettling Yeah 100% Scott hit, hit the nail on the head there With sort of structure in his life Whereas he goes into training every day Wakes up with the kids Goes into training Has his coffee Has a chat with the boys Has a bit of banter And then goes out and trains And that's been his structure Throughout his whole life um, And again as you say It just touches with, with, with people Who have got other jobs And, and their structure And their life's completely gone So as a footballer That's probably one of the ones That we need to kind of Try and keep some sort of training structure to our lives at the moment and, and keep as fit as possible as you can. This routine has not changed though. Clyde One Super Scoreboard here with you until 8 o'clock. Now it's your chance to have your say. 0141 951 1025, and we could be speaking to you next. Super Scoreboard. With Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Your comeback is on. Talk to Thompson's.com. Cammy Bell is in the studio Hugh Keevans is in his man cave Yet I mean I know we're six weeks down But we, we had another uh, Panic about the equipment tonight So everything's okay Hugh I knew Scott Brown was coming on at the start You didn't want your equipment to fail on you Everything's okay Everything is brand new Looking forward to the remainder of the show <laughs> Good We've got him In the meantime Cammy. I came in to, uh, to work in There's no one here obviously yeah. But there are certain people Who have to keep the place ticking over One of the engineers is in And I said look You, you better check in with you Because he's, he's, he's panicking We're going to speak to Scott Brown At the start of the show He's not sure his equipment's going to work And, and the engineer started talking about how uh, Hugh's equipment was running off of 4G And not his Wi-Fi And I just thought If I pass this information on to Hugh no. His head will explode yeah. He's a warrior Does that he's sound a... about right? Well, I mean Who is this 4G? <laughs> <laughs> who does he play for? Is he anything to Ali G? <laughs> an, that's an AstroTurf pitch usually uh, On this show Right 01419511025 Is the number you need and we're on Twitter as well At Clyde SSB Williams first up tonight He's a Rangers fan from Barheads What's on your mind William? Yeah this is a Well I hope it's easy question Anyway never mind that How are you gentlemen I hope you're all keeping well Yep all good All good that's Hope the same can be said for you Yeah well at the moment I'm, I'm alright Because I'm speaking to your good self uh, Email uh, From the Rangers uh, They would want my season ticket money By the 29th of May uh, and I've got two wee problems with that. Uh, as the fact that uh, how, how am I going to get not so much compensated, but how are they going to fix what's one out regarding for the end of the season if it's played or if it's not played? And the next is next season, how many games am I going to be able to get into? I was part to see mm. if the government's policy is you're not going to get in uh, fifty thousand people. Into Ibrox, excuse me, or Parkhead. Yeah. No difference here. That's the two, and how am I going to be compensated for that? I do not know. But the third one I want to, actually, they, they two are the same point. The third one is for Hugh Keevens because I've been like Hugh, I've been, I'm the same age as Hugh, so I've been listening to Hugh on this programme for as long as he's been there. 
in the 90s and the 2000s, when Rangers, well, the old firm tried to get down into English uh, Premier Division, <coughs> excuse me, who was of the opinion, well, if they go down there, you can just close the Premier Division down much. You could practically close the whole of professional football in Scotland down. Or you would just have junior football. Now, that's my two questions, sir. All right, uh, they're two very different issues. So let's take let's take the, the first one first, if you like. Um, Hugh, you, you might not have seen this, but but Williams, right? I think Rangers have launched, um, you know, sort of season tickets. And I should, should start by saying I can't, we can't speak on behalf of of the Rangers ticket office or of Rangers. And by the way, if anyone is out there and wants to clear some of Williams' issues up, give us a call, uh, and we'd we'd love to do it. But that's not a unique challenge, Hugh. That challenge is not unique to to Rangers to the Rangers fans. Clubs across the country are are asking fans to buy season tickets without them really knowing what they're buying for, and you can really sympathise with both sides. Absolutely. Rangers are asking William to take a leap of faith. They're asking him to come down a road when they don't know where the road is leading. They, like other clubs, are simply saying, can you support us now in the form of a renewed season ticket? We can't tell you when the new season begins because the government can't tell us when the new season begins Uh, but what we do know in the meantime whether it's Rangers or anybody else cash flow is vitally important and Rangers are asking William as I say to take the leap of faith give them his cash buy the season ticket and they'll work it out as they go along thereafter yeah William fan and like I say this applies to fans of all clubs the Kind of hoping, I would imagine that, that fans are are loyal and, and are going to buy blind at a time when, when the clubs need the money. Are you not willing to do that? And by the way, I, I, I don't attach any judgment to that because I would understand it, but I just wonder if you, if, if that's something you're not willing to do at the moment. If the government says you're buying your season ticket for a whole season, when does the season start? Obviously. As Hugh rightly says, when does the season start? And you're having a leap of faith. Yes, the leap of faith is not a problem regarding I'm a Rangers supporter for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've said on this programme before, I don't have a problem with that. It's how am I going to find out and where am I going to find out what the policy of the government is going to be? This government up here, not the government in Britain, the, the government up in Scotland, what is their policy? They're saying now, you cannot get 50,000 into a gap apart to watch Rangers, whoever they're playing. They'll be the same across the road as Celtic Park. They will have the same problem. And I dare say a lot of Celtic fans will be thinking the same as me. What's going on here? You know, where do we go from here? No, my leap of faith is not a problem. I will be buying my season ticket, but that's the that's thing that I worry about. You know, how many games am I going to get seen? You know, you're buying your season ticket and you might not get seen again until January. And the season is closed again in end of May, June. What happens there? Do we take on to the following year? To be fair, William, and Nicola Sturgeon's never had as many mentions on Super Scoreboard (laughs) as she has had in recent days. But this is not politicising the matter at all. But Nicola Sturgeon, as the First Minister of Scotland is trying to safeguard the health of people like you and me, who are of a certain vintage. Uh, We have tragically lost over 1,500 lives in this country so far. Nicola Sturgeon doesn't know 
when she'll be able to allow football to come back and when she'll be able to allow football to go from closed doors to uh, being a spectator sport again. And she doesn't know when she'll be allowed to have uh, a full house at Ibrox or at Celtic Park or anywhere mm. else. She's simply trying to safeguard health at the moment and she, like everyone else, is totally in the dark, but she will be guided by medical advice. And in the meantime, Rangers and other football clubs are asking you and other supporters to help them out with a cash flow problem. Cammy, whilst there's so many unanswerable questions, it's almost like, what else are you meant to do? We referenced it earlier in the week. You know, Motherwell have boasted, you know, I think three times the amount of season tickets sold than they would usually have at this period, but but them and Hibs as well, encouraging numbers, but no one knows really what you're buying. And it is just one of hundreds of questions at the moment facing the game. So many problems. I mean, ultimately, William could go out and buy his Rangers season ticket and not see a game of football next season. That That's one of the possibilities. It could be closed door games for, for a full season. The season might never, might not start. We we don't know, um, but as Hugh says, it's it's a sort of a leap of of goodwill for mm-hmm. the club. Um, cash flow is king for 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 companies, and 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 they need to they need cash flow in to keep these companies moving, um, to be able for the club to plan for the next stage of whenever the season starts. Um, so it, it's it's really difficult times, and and I think a lot of clubs out there are just hoping that a lot of fans back them, which a lot have done so far, and it's great to see that. Yeah, I mean, Hugh, a few tweets coming in all on a similar topic, so I'll, I'll sort of condense them. Darren, for instance, says that the 29th of May is the first instalment for four monthly payments. The club have done a decent thing, frozen the price of season tickets. Always support your club, he says. Uh, and Craig D mentions that um, if Rangers don't play the remaining games this season, season ticket holders will get a £25 voucher back. Um, and then Paul has chipped in from a Celtic perspective and said that his first payment's already been taken He hopes Celtic will compensate us For games that have been missed this year And any of next And that in itself is difficult We saw this with Partick Thistle recently didn't they? they They offered refunds But in the very next sentence says Please don't take it if you can afford not to Yeah, as I say Every football club And I mean every football club in Scotland No exceptions Even a club like Celtic With massive cash reserves they are losing money at the moment at a rate of knots that they would not have thought possible. Uh, so every football club is simply trying to do their best, trying to plan for a very, very uncertain future, not trying to take advantage of anyone, asking supporters, if you are of a mind to buy a season ticket, please buy one. Uh, and you have to cut the club some slack. If there's a need for compensation, then the club will address it if and when. Yeah, I mean, William, what do you make of that point then? That that £25 that you would get back if the remaining games can't be played, clearly that's, in monetary value, that's a lot a lot less than, than, than what the games would amount to. But, but you know, these are, are difficult times and all the rest of it. Will you and most of your fellow fans just sort of accept that? Are you happy with that? Most of my fellow fans will buy their tickets without problems. I, I don't have a problem. The only problem is I want to go and see my team playing. Hmm. You know, as as we've already said before, before I, I go off here, I, I still like to think what you think. So, you know, when we talked about the old firm going down to England, if they could have went, they, they would have went. And as I said, then we're talking about uh, how would Scottish Premier teams survive? 
That is one part of it Why are you asking Neil William Do you think it's going to happen or something? Survive now If they're not getting Playing football Hugh The, 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 the world is so uncertain now That If you can come down the road with me on this one William uh, Rangers and Celtic uh, May never be In a better position to go down south Because down south is chaos as well and that they are feverishly trying to get football restarted there rather than pay back £750 million to broadcasters. And that some of their clubs are fearful for their future as well. Uh, a year or two down the line, there might be, for the first time ever, a realistic opportunity for Celtic you, Rangers to go you down You must be mischief-making. This whole, this whole scenario has led to our typical cans of worms being open, Cammy. We've got summer football, we've got reconstruction, yep. and now Hugh wants to reignite the debate about Celtic and Rangers moving. Let, let's, let's just knock that one in the head. Let's try and deal with one or two of our big issues at a time. Thank you to William and Barhead. Colin is a Celtic fan. He's in Cheshire, and he's coming up next. Super Scoreboard. With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Tackling compensation claims for more than 40 years Talk to Thompsons.com Cammy Bell in the studio Hugh Keevans in his man cave And hopefully you on the phones Between now and 8 o'clock 01419511025 And on Twitter at ClydeSSB Colin is a Celtic fan He's down in Cheshire What's in your mind tonight Colin? Good evening guys, how are you doing? Yeah, good thanks Good, good So can I ask a cheeky question first? Of course. Is there anybody you've not? Is there, is there anybody you've not fell out with? <laughs> um, I think uh, the last time I spoke to you, Hugh, we fell out over a paranoia. Um, oh well. Obviously, I'm a big Celtic fan, um, and from uh, when, when I get involved with Celts for change, I met you a few times. I thought you're a decent guy. You're right. Everybody's got an opinion. Um, and it's funny, we are today, we were talking about health the last time I spoke to you, and health is very much on the agenda just now. So I don't want to underplay that um, as somebody who's got a share in the pharmacy and know what everybody's going through. So my best wishes to everybody in frontline here. Um, but guys, can I share a couple of points? Sure. Can I make a couple of points to you? Go for it. The whole scenario with the, the board of directors, the SPFL, and the Rangers Football Club parts and now Strindbar. I would have thought common sense would have prevailed in all of this. We've now had, I think, a fortnight to, to look over this and, and think about it sensibly. There's a way to address this, and there should have been transparency from the club making the, the claims. Um, they should have been given a period of time to deliver that to everybody, because every stakeholder in the game that's represented in the, uh, the Scottish football should have heard them. My thoughts on it is, if there's prize money, I would host, host an EGM, and if there was found there was nothing, then the clubs that, that wanted the EGM should have paid for that privilege um, if it was without foundation. However, there should have been consequences either way had it been found true, I don't know what you guys think, but it would have brought it to a head. It would have, it would have brought everybody into the public domain because so far, no disrespect to anybody intended here, it's been played out in the public and I wonder why. Yeah, I mean, well, it has and it hasn't, Hugh, that the, the 
The outside parts of it have been played out in the public But of course no one has seen this evidence uh, And the Scottish Premiership clubs met today uh, I believe that they didn't have that on, on the agenda you know, to begin with But it was, it was bound to come up in some shape or form And it looks like they're being told that they will see Rangers evidence next week So at some point in advance of the EGM on the 12th of May If you remember Rangers always maintained That they would sh- they would reveal it to member clubs Well in advance of that meeting on the 12th Well they have to give the member clubs A chance to digest the information No one knows what's in Rangers hands In terms of the whistleblower's information But they have to give the other clubs Ample time to digest it To assess whether there is a need for a vote uh, and we're getting the matter coming to a head now. It's a very important matter. I, I thought that what Neil Doncaster had to say this week was fair enough. He's the chief executive of the SPFL, and his integrity has been called into question. If that's the case, tell him why it's been called into question. Likewise, Rod McKenzie, the SPFL lawyer. So it's perfectly straightforward. Rangers must give out the information next week, let everyone digest it, and then they'll know what they are voting for if, in fact, they decide that there is a need for a vote. Cammy, we've managed to create our own drama when, when there's, there's no football on, and this is one of the main plot lines. Yeah, I mean, that's Scottish football for you. you always create some sort of drama, and I think... Um, it's been a mess from the start for me It's been a mess from the vote And it's just dragged on And then obviously Rangers have held this um, Evidence that they've got um, Of of wrongdoing Or, or um, Something going wrong in the vote And I, I just feel as if They've held it a little bit too long But again we don't know what's going on in the background There could be lawyers involved Which there probably will be um, They could be producing all the evidence as a package So that the, the clubs can then see it And then, then it's re- assessed properly so we don't know what's going on in the background. We don't know what this evidence is, um, but hopefully it does come ahead soon because it, I mean it's it's dragged on for a long time now. Yeah, I mean, Colin, a lot of people, well, you're one of them, sort of leading the calls at the moment to sort of what is it? What is it? The ultimate aim here then to to sort of punish Rangers Hearts and Strad if if this doesn't come to fruition. Is that your thinking? Yeah, yeah. No, you've missed my point here. Oh, sorry. There should be consequences for both sides. If it's found it's the, 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 it is the board of directors, they should be held to account. If it's the other three clubs and there's no justification, then surely they should be held to account. Because what, don't talk about, not you particularly, mm-hmm. but if everybody's talking about the survival of Scottish football and the financials are that tight, surely, surely if you think you've got a claim, it should be brought up. If it's without foundation... Then, as I say, it should be with consequences. Can I make another point in this? Day? Just before you do, though, there's, but there's another stage here, Colin. So I'm keen to, to get you to clean up your theory because remember, the clubs are going to vote on this on the May the 12th. Now, 32 of the 42 clubs have to vote to trigger this independent investigation. So let's say that 32 clubs do vote for it. We do have an investigation, but it does not find anything, any evidence of impropriety on on behalf of the SPFL. Do you punish the 32 clubs? Do you, do you make them pay something, all 32 clubs? No, I don't think you do. What I'm saying here is that if, if they hold an investigation, it's because the rest of the clubs say so. But to get to the, the, the rest of the clubs, there's only three clubs saying this. Yeah, but a lot more will have to agree. 
Well, if everybody's a stakeholder, why are you withholding the information? Because yeah, I think it was Cammy that said it. They've held on to it for far too long. They've tried Wolf. Here's a club that's tried Wolf a number of times without foundation. Yeah, but Colin, you're, you're, you're calling for consequences before we know the strength of Rangers' case. We have to first of all find out what is the evidence they are holding, then assess it, then decide if there is a need for a vote. If, and we're talking hypothetically now, Colin, if we get to the stage where we find out that Rangers have in fact put forward a frivolous case, unworthy of a vote, unworthy of consideration, then there may be consequences, but we cannot prejudge the matter until we find Mm. out what it is that Rangers say they have that entitles them to use the word wrongdoing in association with Neil Doncaster and Rod McKenzie. Clearly, Hugh, there is an... There is an element of going round in circles on this one Because we're in limbo until someone sees the evidence And until we move forward next week Um, So I don't really want to labour the point too much But it's the first time we've spoken to you since We really heard from the SPFL for the first meaningful time this week Murdoch McLennan put out his own Q&A Neil Doncaster came on this show And and spoke to to other media outlets as well They seem to explain everything in a fairly calm and, and measured and easy to understand manner But then at the same time People who've already decided that they're guilty of something Would be quick to point out Why are you protesting so much? If you've got the opportunity here to sit back and clear your name Why not let it happen? So those are the kind of two sides How do you interpret what, what you heard from Neil Doncaster And Murdoch McLennan this week? I thought that Neil Doncaster was fair and measured uh, If you have something on me Tell me what it is and that puts the ball firmly back into Rangers' court. But I don't think that you could be as calm and assured as uh, Neil Doncaster was uh, if you were not confident in yourself uh, that you had conducted yourself with propriety. I was less impressed by Murdoch McLennan's Q&A because that's a man interrogating himself. If I interrogate me, I'm pretty much sure to find in my favour. Uh, I thought that he should have gone public and spoken to journalists, which is something he has not done in his three years in office. Uh, So I was impressed by Neil Doncaster's approach, less impressed uh, by Murdoch McLennan's approach. And Colin, I have finally come up with an answer for you. The one person I have not argued with, it's Mrs. Stevens, because (laughs) you should pick pick fights that you can win. You know better, that's why. Correct. Uh, just quickly on that though Because the news is fast approaching One more thing I wanted to, to sort of clear up with you Just coming off the back of what you said you, you said you heard from Neil Doncaster You felt he was so measured and so assured That that he's obviously convinced he hasn't done anything wrong Yeah. And then though On the other side You've got a very similar argument Because I'm hearing people saying Rangers have gone in so deep on this That they must have something So you, you can almost apply that logic to both sides uh, well, I was very interested to read it this morning, the comments made by Donald Finlay, QC. Uh, as everyone knows, former vice chairman of Rangers. Uh, and uh, let's not forget the last bit, QC, Queen's Council, one of the top legal men in this country. And he said that he was uh, puzzled by Rangers' approach to this whole matter and was also uh, in the camp of those who are saying, well, what is it you've got? Why haven't you shown everyone 
by this time. However, the dance, as you call it, Gordon, will come to an end very, very soon because next week Rangers must show their hand, must give the clubs information that they can assess and then decide whether or not their case merits a vote. Okay, Colin down in Cheshire, thanks a lot for getting in touch Colin, you take care over the coming weeks I think that takes us up nicely to time for this Beat the Pundit with the Scottish Sun For the best football news and opinion online thescottishsun.co.uk slash football It is Beat the Pundit time Beat the Pundit got a rest last night for I think the first time ever or certainly the first time in years that Beat the Pundit was not on it was for a good reason we had our lockdown quiz but it's back with a bang tonight it'll probably be Cammy Bell because I don't trust the technology in Hugh Keevan's man cave so if you want to play Beat the Pundit tonight and try and win a signed ball here's what you need to do really simple pick up the phone dial 0141 951 1025 do it before 7 o'clock and you could be playing Beat the Pundit next Super Scoreboard With Thompson's personal injury solicitors Experienced players who know how to win Talk to Thompson's.com Cammy Bell here in the studio Hugh Keevans in his man cave I'm Gordon Duncan And we're waiting for your call as always 01419511025 At Clyde SSB on Twitter If for some reason you're just joining us You missed a fairly lengthy chat With Celtic captain Scott Brown You'll be able to hear that on the podcast uh, Soon after this show finishes um, and as always at the moment We've just been going through All the different questions As to when our game can restart If it can restart Some of the infighting uh, That we're doing at the moment as well Plenty more of that to come But in the meantime Let's do this Beat the Pundit With the Scottish Sun For the best football news And opinion online Thescottishsun.co.uk Slash football It is Beat the Pundit time Hugh Evans is on a 4G machine in his man cave So I think we'll put Cammy Bell up to the plate tonight Just in case Hugh's delay is worse than usual Uh, And let's meet tonight's contestant Davey in Coatbridge, how's it going? Hi, no bad, how's yourself? Yeah, not too bad at all Davey Have you ever played Beat the Pundit before? I played it once uh, And? I got beat Oh, right, okay, you're on for for redemption Who beat you that night? Uh, Craig Beatty Oh that's even worse Oh that's the Hugh can you believe What you're hearing Well I mean Think shame on yourself (laughs) Uh, I don't know how Cammy Bell will fare But I'm going to Give him some Clyde 2 to listen to Just so that he can't He can't hear your answers Davey And let me get the questions 30 seconds on the clock You'll know this But just to remind you You can pass So if you don't know it Pass quickly And move on to the next one Okay Right, good man. Your time starts okay. now. Which Rangers player holds the club record for most European goals? Alan McCoy. Which former footballer is the star of the film Looking for Eric? Eric Antonov. Name either of Celtic's Ivorian first team players. Pass. Who won Euro 2008? France. Which Scottish side play their home games at Recreation Park? Alloa Jim McAllister is the captain of which Scottish Championship side? Queen of South Okay, let's bring in Cammy Bell Cammy, can you hear us? Yes, I can Good man, your time, same questions to you And your time starts now Which Rangers player holds the club record for most European goals? Chris Boyd Which former footballer is the star of the film Looking for Eric? Eric Cantona Name either of Celtic's Ivorian first team players Pass Who won Euro 2008? Pass 
Which Scottish side play their home games at Recreation Park? Allah. Jim McAllister is the captain of which Scottish Championship Green side? Mountain. Which side has won the most European Cups slash Champions League titles? Celtic. No, what? No, what? I didn't hear the question. Oh, you did Mate, not hear, I the didn't question. hear the question. No, you've 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 no, dived in. You've dived in. Uh, Davy, what do you think? That's one of the worst answers we've ever Sorry, had. Sorry, I didn't hear. Uh, I think it's tight I think it is oh, tight I hope I think it is tight Tiebreaker Which Rangers player Holds the club record For most European goals Ali McCoist ah, Yeah 21 for him So 1-0 to Davey Which former footballer Is the star of the film Looking for Eric It's Cantona You both got it Just Is that an educated guess Have you seen it No I've not seen it Have you seen it Davey No I've not seen it either no. Hugh Keevans That was just a guess as well no, three out of three. Right, okay, yeah, I've not seen it either. Right, we'll, need <laughs> to look, we'll need to look it up this week. Producer Dan says it's brilliant. No, take his word for it. Uh, name either of Celtic's Ivorian first team players. You had the choice of Vakun Bayo and Ishmaila Soro. Uh, so none of you got it. Euro 2008, that was Spain's sort of golden generation. Mm, they yes, won that so one. So none of you got it. Still 2 1 uh, to Davey. Um, which Scottish side? I mean, it's not even called this anymore, but. Traditionally it's Recreation Park It was Alloa You both got it So we don't need to worry 3-2 Jim McAllister is the captain Of which Scottish Championship side? Morton Last minute equaliser For Cammy <laughs> Bell And now that he's not under pressure He'll be kicking himself hey, here what, what was the question? Because you had the, you had the chance to win it with Which side has won the most European Cup Slash Champions Leagues? It's no Celtic No it's definitely It's Real Madrid just the thirteen <sighs> that they've won, but you just—I don't know—you just I, I didn't. genuinely didn't hear the question. I just—I can, I can, uh, I believe you. <laughs> don't worry, I believe you. Uh, right, that means we're on to the tiebreaker. So, Davy, I'm going to ask the question. It will be a closest two. I'll get Cami to write his answer down, and I'll then invite you to give me your attempt. Okay. Okay. Good man A very random tiebreaker You would think I made this one up, but honestly, I didn't. I promise. You can blame producer Dan. Just let me check, though. Are we talking this current season? No, last season So the one that was finished Right, okay, just making sure Right, the question is this Gentlemen, listen up How many goals did Motherwell score In last season's Premiership? So it's a full season It's not the one that's just passed How many goals did Motherwell score In last season's Premiership? Cammy, if you just write your answer down for me please Everyone's struggling to remember Even the season that's passed Never won the. Never mind the one before Right, Cammy, hold up your bit of paper He's taking his time here, Davey. He's stretching it. Write it down quick. No time to think about the tiebreakers. Hold him up. Right, okay. Davey, what are you going for? I'll go for 55. Oh, it's so close. It's so close. Cammy's gone 52. Davey's gone 55. Hugh, just out of curiosity. 57. Oh, the winner out of the three of you. Is Cammy? It's yes, forty six. It's forty six. I can't, but Davy, I cannot believe he just said Celtic won the most European cups and then Listen, won it on a tiebreaker. I, I still won. Still won. <laughs> Unlucky, Davy. What was the answer? Forty six. Most goals. Forty six. Forty six. You were close, but oh, Cammy yeah. was closer. Well Good done, man. Cammy. Cheers, Davy. Well done, Cammy. Cheers, man. There we go. Do you know what? It was a win. They all count in the Celtic end. Celtic. That's won. fine. Well, that is terrible. What is the equivalent of is. Missing a sitter from one yard In the 90th minute But going and getting a 91st minute winner Off your backside Aye. I think that's what just happened Yeah Hugh, is that fair? Out of jail Yeah, that's a good analogy uh, And while we are quizzing Thank you very much to everyone Who took part in last night's lockdown quiz It was the first, hopefully, of many I think it, it was good fun for us in the studio Lots of great feedback on Twitter And on Facebook 
Where we streamed it live uh, So we're going to do that again It got a little bit frantic we, we maybe bit off more than we could chew Tried to squeeze in a few too many rounds It was a little bit rushed at the end uh, But hopefully you enjoyed it anyway And we'll be back with a new and improved version On Thursday night Hugh, I'm not even going to bother asking If you streamed it live on Facebook um, But you can just imagine those two In here last night, can't you? Oh uh, streamed it live on what? Never mind um, But let's just say there were there were gestures flying back and forward That the compliance officer would not have been happy with uh, Well, can I give a very, very quick plug Since we're in quiz mode okay. St Andrew's Hospice and, and St Andrew's Hospice in Airdrie Where of course Fernando Rickson uh, Sadly spent his last days They're having a virtual quiz tonight at 8 o'clock So you can get the details on the hospice Website, so they start when we finish St Andrew's Hospice. There we go. Check Don't out the website, check that out. Don't mind that at all. 0141 951 1025. That's the number you need to get in touch tonight. Um, and on Twitter, we are at Clyde SSB Hugh. I feel like it's one of the, the topics we need to just keep revisiting every couple of days. Um, because again, we're not really sure how, how, how much further forward we are. I mean, since you were on on Monday to Friday Have you heard or read anything about Reconstruction which particularly Interests you or changes your mind on anything No not for me uh, As I say I, I find it Mystifying That we're even discussing it at this particular time When we are in such Uncertain times uh, We've got an awful lot On our plate to uh, Concern ourselves with regarding the survival Of clubs big and small uh, I, I just don't think that reconstruction is a, a suitable topic for conversation right now. And nothing that I've read or heard since Monday, Gordon, has convinced me that it's something that we need to delve into. I, I think we're simply... I've, I've read about clubs who would be moving up the ladder. Well, all you've done is bring in a different ladder. They're not really moving up anywhere. You've just rearranged things to have three leagues of 14 or whatever... I've read or heard nothing that makes me think, oh, well, I could get interested in that. Not so far. Cammy, you are an active player in our lower leagues at the moment. So the ones that, that could be heavily impacted by this, what's just your, your personal preference? Um, at the moment, I, I think there's too many, as Hugh says, there's too much going on in Scottish football to be discussing this at the moment. Um, I just feel as if we're pressured into this to satisfy some certain clubs at the moment. Um would we have? We wouldn't even have spoke about reconstruction if if this pandemic hadn't happened. Um, and I just, I, I feel as if um, we've got so much on our plate at the moment that that we should leave it alone at the moment and see where and mm. when we can get back playing football. Um, there's no point in setting up a re- reconstruction theory and putting it all together, and then we can't start playing football until January. Mm. So um, that that's, that's going to throw everything out the out the yeah. window again. At the same time, though. This pandemic has happened yep. And, and we, we are where we are And if you, like most people do Agree that, let's let's just pick Solely Partick Thistle Most people look at that situation and say That's unfair, ah, how can you relegate 100%. them When they haven't, pl- so th- this is a solution To that, so I know Hugh's been very clear On it, and you've gone down a similar road To say that you know th- there's other things going on But aren't all these things Intertwined? Yeah, I, I get it. It's, it's it's not a fair situation. Life isn't fair at the moment, um, which we which is much bigger than football. But if you go and break it down to football, then Partick's Vessel situation isn't fair. Falkirk's situation isn't fair. Um, again, Hearts' situation isn't fair. But they are where they are at the moment. Um, we've played a lot of football, um, and and decisions have to get made, and and we need to 
you need to live by them decisions. Once you actually make them, we need to make sure. I just don't want us to reconstruct football for one or two seasons just to save certain clubs. And it's got to be for the beneficial of Scottish football long term yeah. for me. Right. Let's let's take a step forward though. Let's let's assume that whether you or Hugh or me or anyone likes it, let's assume that it's it's happening. What 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 are your thoughts on? Sort of the makeup of leagues, the numbers. Does it work at the moment? What about fourteens or tens? What, what are your views on that? I, 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 at the moment, I've I've never seen it a real problem with. Mm-hmm. I've not, I've not um, seen a, a massive. I, I enjoy the playoffs. I've been involved in them several times, um, and I think they're really exciting for Scottish football. The way that the structure is at the moment. Um, again, the the fourteen free leagues are fourteen. I think there's scope for that And I think we've got strong enough teams That could go into the into the Premier League and compete um, And it condenses the leagues a little bit more But again, I never really sat before this happened And, and, and thought there was a real problem With the, the setup of the leagues at the moment What about, I mean the lower leagues for instance at the moment They're always really tight because yep, there are yep. 10 teams in them yep. And I just think of the Championship in the last few seasons Teams have been sort of relegation fodder And, and then Suddenly set their sights on promotion playoffs I dare say that would disappear to an extent with 14 But that doesn't mean to say You know, it's, it's wrong is, is there a risk you lose a, a competitiveness If the lower leagues were to go to 14 from I, 10? I, I think you're right there I think the last couple of seasons There's been sort of two or three games left in the season And a team can move from 10th in the championship Up to 7th or 6th It's been that tight and that competitive And I think you could take away a little bit of that that sort of edge and, and, and what we've got in the in the lower leagues of Scottish football at the moment. So we we really need to, to to think long and hard about this decision. I don't think it's a decision that needs to get rushed. Um I really don't think it's the, the top of the our topics at the moment. We've got other mm-hmm. agendas we need to, to solve first and then we can maybe look at reconstruction if it's going to be for the long term benefits of Scottish football. All right, let's speak to Robert who's in Mary Hill. Hi Robert. Alright guys, how are you? Not bad, how's it going at your end, okay? Ah, not bad, thanks Good man, good man, what's on your mind? Um, first, just a wee point now Cammy Bell, well, good party for Soul Legend by the way, Cammy <laughs> Cheers mate um, um, Say for instance, like tomorrow's the last games of the season Say for instance, right, which, which was meant to be, right Obviously you're saying, it's, isn't, isn't it fair for us as a club? But say for instance, we just needed a point tomorrow against Dundee who will be playing at home and the results go away and we get beat no it's well, I'll be going to phone up the SFA and saying well can we re- replay that game you know and then we just have to kind of deal with it and get on with it and you know you know at the end day like is that um, you know isn't it fair for us but you know at the end day that's Part and parcel of life, you know, if we go down on it. Yeah, I mean, hey, we, well, Robert sounds like he's fairly well, not okay with the idea, Hugh, but, but coming to terms with it. But but at the same time, I know Robert's a Partick fan, so he's got ownership over that emotion more than than I do. But it's not really the same, is it? Because at least that way they would have lost it properly on the football pitch. Well, there's nothing we can do about it. You know, I, I look around the world. Uh, continental Europe in particular uh, Paris Saint-Germain are declared the French champions Lyon today say that they may take legal action because it impacts on them and their uh, place in European football next season uh, Hearts have grievances because if we call the league and Celtic are the champions Hearts go down uh, therefore everywhere you look 
there are consequences, but consequences of a global pandemic that has killed people by their tens of thousands. These, I, I, I'll read UEFA statement saying countries can call their leagues under special circumstances. How special do you want the circumstances to be when you're talking about tens of thousands of people losing their lives? Along the way, people are going to lose out unfairly, but what can football do? Because everywhere you turn, there's another problem. Rob, you want to come back in? Total agree with you there. You know, at the end day, like, our first priority is the coronavirus. You know, that's the main thing right now. And, you know, at the end day, football should be last on the list of anything, to be honest. And it's not only football, it's all sport in the fence. I think they were saying about like tennis this week as well, like returning back to you know being behind closed doors. You know how can you do things like that? Come on, there's, there's people like football, like sports stars are they invincible? You know we're all human beings at the end of the day. So and everybody's got a family or loved ones, you know, out there. So that's the, that, that should be the top priority rather than. Starting back any any sort of sport. Yeah, I mean, Robert, as a Partick Thistle fan, forgive me if I'm if I'm being too nosy, but are you a, are you a season ticket holder? Yep, I've um, been going to every home and away game since what 2002. Yeah, I mean, it's it's come up with with Rangers in the show earlier on, and I know various clubs out there are, are selling season tickets for next season. Partick were one of the first, to, I think, to say that you can have a refund for the remainder of this season if you want it, but if you can spare it. You know, please do because you know we stand to lose a lot of money out of this at the moment. What what was your own take on that situation? Was that something that you took up? Um, I've never, uh, I've not took it up, but you know, I think it's a quite, in a way like the way Partick Thistle came out with the idea, you know, of putting like kind of pressure on fans because they're like, um, you know, if you need the money, you know, come in and get it. You know, everybody's at a job right now, so obviously, you know, everybody that's a season ticket holder would need the money, probably. Yeah, I mean, so, Hugh, though, Hugh, you could spin that actually the other way and say that, that Partick Thistle did the right thing because some clubs probably won't offer fans a refund, whereas Thistle have actually offered it. So they've, you're being seen to do the right thing, but you're hoping really that most of the fans will say, do you know what? It's. Unprecedented times Unforeseen circumstances It's fine Just keep it Is that not Arguably the right way To do it Yeah I, I would expect No less of Jerry Britton At uh, Firhill uh, Jerry approaches things In a, a, a Humane Fashion He's also a legal man uh, Fully qualified lawyer And he's a football man Former Player of many clubs uh, So I would expect Nothing less of Jerry Britton And Patrick Thistle and, you know, Patrick Thistle started out by saying that uh, they were very unhappy, obviously, if you call the league and they go down, uh, then they would contemplate legal action. And then they, they withdrew from that school of thought. As I say, if a blizzard runs through your town, the chances are there'll be damage somewhere. And if a global pandemic affects the world, the chances are there'll be damage somewhere. And, you know, as Robert says, football has to understand its place in the grand scheme of things I would totally agree with you there Hugh I think uh, football's secondary at the moment for us um, 
It's difficult to take We all love the game But it is, it is secondary to what's going on in the world at the moment But I mean there's going to be so many difficult decisions to make And there's going to be teams that feel hard done by And, and, and unjustified putting them down a league or whatever It's it's going to be real tough decisions And and um, that's why we hopefully the hierarchy in our, in our sort of league um, structure Can make them proper decisions And and take the time over that and, and make the correct decision Yeah good luck with that Thank you to Robert in Maryhill Robert hopefully we'll speak to you soon I've got a full time teaser for you tonight I'll give you a wee taster Number nines That's all I'm going to say You're going to need to know your number nines Hugh We'll get the question to you next Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Helping you return to action Talk to Thompson's.com Cammy Bell's in the studio Hugh Keevans is in his man cave But they're going to have to team up uh, to come up with the answers for tonight's full-time teaser Now I told you before It had a number 9 theme to it And it's been sent in by Graham Brunton tonight Thank you to Graham for sending it in The address you need to contribute a question Full-time at Clyde1.com So the question is this Since the introduction of squad numbers At the start of the 98-99 season Can you name the 11 players To wear number 9 for Rangers before Jermaine Defoe came in and took it So Jermaine Defoe has it at the moment But can you name the previous 11 Number 9s For Rangers That was the, you know, their official squad number If you like Chris Boyd yep. uh, Chris Boyd yes From 07 through to 2010 I think it was Yes um, did Rod Wallace No who would have been your Mark time? Hately. What about your time there, Cameron? Um, my time, Paul. Nicky Clark? No. Keep going, he'll get there eventually. John Daly? Yes. John Daly, the 14 15 season. Hugh? Waghorn? No, actually, not Waghorn, no. Mm. Gardner? No. I don't like that silence Silence on radio Whoa. Is never good Right I'll just As a bit of a steer If you were going from You know most recent So I told you that Defoe has it at the moment So he's not part of that You're then going back You're going back to John Daly And there's one guy in between In between Right okay Only one guy So who could that be He must be quite Well known if he had that jersey for Between Daly and Defoe Okay Wasn't Kenny Miller Yeah Kenny Miller Right Hugh we'll leave it there You can come back to it We're looking for Since the introduction of squad numbers At the start of the 98-99 season Name the 11 players To wear number 9 for Rangers Before Jermaine Defoe took it You can play along on Twitter I know for a fact Some of you will nail these So tweet them At Clyde SSB Let's speak to Paul and Kirk and Tillock Hi Paul Hi Gordon Hi Hugh Hi Cammy Hope you're all keeping well Yep all good Paul Thank you Okay at your end uh, aye. Good man. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, I got off my tonight. Uh, I'm listening to the. I'm listening to the, the the chat, the general chat about if the league's going to get played out, uh, playing behind closed doors, and I'm listening to it as well from England. Now, I think England are going to do it as soon as they can. They're desperate to do it. Personally, I don't want it to happen. Now, nobody misses. Uh, football more than me. It's my it's my release. I love going to it with my wee boy. My wife will tell you it's 
she thinks it takes prison to a lot of stuff in the house at times. <laughs> but I don't want to go unless it's safe. I can I, I can hold off that it's safe, not just for me and my son. I want the players to be safe. I want to go to be relaxed. I don't want to be going sitting with a mask on, worried about what's going to happen. I think that's the most important thing, as opposed to getting these games finished. Uh, of course I want Celtic to win the league. And I think they, they, they will get it deservedly so, but safety must be paramount. It must be paramount before they even consider letting MD into a football stadium. Yeah, that's the thing about the English Premier League. Hugh. They've renewed their commitment today um, to finish the season on the pitch, and they're, they're, they're so close to us. We're just a couple of miles up the road, and we're very familiar with the league and the clubs and their players. So it's natural that we would look at that and, and have a mixture of emotions. And by the way, this is not about. Looking down her nose in any way Because I'm sure they In their heart of hearts They believe that they can do it safely I don't think anyone is Deliberately going to take risks And they may well be able to pull it off safely But it does still Not sit right With some people at the moment And you can see why the The English Premier League reaction to this Has been disappointing for me There was a particularly disappointing story today where Joe Anderson, who is the the mayor of Liverpool, the city of Liverpool, uh, he said that the, the, the season should be called to an end now for safety reasons. Make Liverpool the champions, but call an end to the season. And Liverpool Football Club complained and said that that wasn't uh, representative of uh, their view and they were disappointed in what the mayor had to say. Now, bear in mind that Sir Kenny Dalglish had coronavirus and was treated in hospital and thankfully, mercifully, uh, nothing happened to Kenny. Now, I think it's offensive to the NHS staff who looked after Kenny Dalglish that Liverpool Football Club should take that particular attitude. I think the English clubs are fearful of having to pay back to broadcasters £750 million if the season is unable to be completed, but... For me, you have to keep in touch with humanity and decency. And there is no place for football at this time. Not in England and not in Scotland. Cammy, we all all love it. And just ideally, great, brilliant. If you can get it back, we'd all all love to to watch it. But it's just, well, there are so many aspects of our lives that, that aren't functioning normally at the moment. It seems strange that if you've got enough money and if you've got the infrastructure, you can get football up and running again, but you can't. Do loads of other things I'm amazed I'm amazed that they're, they're actually Publicly still So Strong that they want to play this uh, Season out Everyone wants to play their seasons out But at the moment It's, it's an absolute no-go And um, we've still got a lot of people dying in the, in the UK So we need to conquer that First and foremost And and for me The, the Premier League are Obviously they, they owe A lot of money back to the broadcasters If they don't meet their Their agreement um, But There's people's lives at stake There's There's still there's so many hurdles to jump for for to get a game of football on when we should be really concentrating on trying to get our country under control of this pandemic that's happening at the at the moment. I mean, you can't really take a light-hearted approach to any of this, Hugh, because it's it's very serious. But if you'll allow me for a second, they're talking about you know five-star hotels for five weeks at a time, and it's just got me wondering what our version would be, you know, for Livingston against Ross County. I just wonder what the what the arrangements would look like. Well. Uh... Don't worry, you'll never have to think about it because it simply won't happen. You know, Cammy. Again, we've known all this for for long enough, but the the training complexes that these teams have is so. It, I'm not saying it's easy, but 
You can understand why they believe That they can isolate everyone there Isolate them in a hotel Don't go anywhere else I think they confirmed just before we came on air That it looks like neutral venues So no sort of, you know, forget about the, the concept of home yeah. games And all the rest of it But we just, I mean, we've got we've got clubs in our top flight at the very, very top of our game who don't really have their own training yeah. ground. Never mind a, a big complex where people could go and stay. Oh, it's it's different level down there. I've been down to Man City's training ground. They've got a hotel in their own training ground. So I mean, for they they can do it. There's that much money down in the English Premier League that they they could possibly do it. But again, is it the right thing to do? Um, for me at the moment, there, there's bigger problems in the country, and everyone wants football back. I want football back to watch, but. Um, I don't want it back forced upon that somebody's health's at risk and that, that's got to be at the forefront of everything that nobody's health or you're still talking all the medical staff all the coaching staff, players there's still a lot of people got to be involved to get that, that up and running again the broadcasting companies as well so there's so many people's lives at risk and, and all it takes is one person to catch it and, and, and if they unfortunately suffer and die from that then, then it's completely the wrong decision to play any football Paul you want to come back in? Uh, yes, do I? Uh, my other point was, Gordon, about uh, the, the league uh, reconstruction. Uh, personally, I don't, I don't want it. I really don't want it. I think the league's quite good. I think it's quite good the way it's set up. Uh, it's, and I'm not just saying that because, obviously, uh, Celtic have done so well on it over the past decade. But I think it's set up well uh, with the playoffs. It's quite exciting. Uh, and also, I'm struggling to see. I don't think the SFA should even mention the league reconstruction anymore. They've just thrown up a whole can of worms here. And I'm not even talking about the whole statement after statement for Rangers. I'm talking about to save, well, for instance, to save Hearts. They talk about Hearts being a big club. Big club in Edinburgh. See if you look at Hearts' record over the last 10, 15 years, they've been near the relegation a few times and been relegated. So I'm not convinced. That they would have got out of relegation, to be honest. I think they would have been. When they get. They were quite favourites to go down anyway. Yeah, I mean, you might be, you might be right, Paul, but I mean. Take, take Partick Thistle, for instance, because they're part of this. They hadn't even played the same amount of games as their closest rivals. And, and I still feel like those are two separate things. You're right. 10, 12, 14 weeks ago, I wouldn't have considered reconstruction either. But is this not a time for some sort of compromise? I think it's a compromise too far though, Gordon. That's the yeah. problem. Uh, well, if it's not this, what is it? If it's not this, then there's no compromise whatsoever. Well, I, I remain true to my point that I think that the strength of any product, and the SPFL is the product under discussion here, the strength of any product uh, starts at the top. The, the clubs at the top are the cash creators. They create the commercial viability. Uh, they attract the, the broadcasters and the sponsors. And for me, our flagship league, 12 teams strong, was the ideal number. And for me, a 14-team league will create too many meaningless rather than meaningful matches. And uh, you're creating a situation where you have Hollywood at the top and Deadwood at the bottom. And for me, it's a non-starter. I think that's clearly a concern if you go too big, Hugh. But there's really... there's. Going from 12 to 14, it's only two more teams. Does that have a material difference in the number of meaningless games? Well, then we get back to the argument, Gordon, of is this a reconstruction uh, for next season uh, to save hearts? Uh, and then if 
it is the case that 14 goes back to 12. That means three have to go down uh, for the St Mirrens and Hamilton Ackies uh, of this world. Uh, that's a non-starter. So, as I say, for me, I am simply mystified that we're even contemplating it at a time when the worry we have is that through nobody's fault, a global pandemic will bring our football shuddering to a halt and create financial problems of the kind that are fatal. I suppose the question is, Paul, if you don't think reconstruction is, is desirable or ideal, is it is it any more or less desirable than relegating a team before the league's finished, ultimately? that, that That's really the, the, the sort of way up that people are having to make, is it not? Well, think about this, Gordon, right? Everybody's going to have to compromise. I'll feel gutted. Celtic going to compromise because they had a good chance of winning another treble. Now, there's a chance that has to have stayed up. There's a chance they wouldn't have stayed up. Uh, every team is going to have to uh, take a hit, but everybody's taking a hit. It's not as if it's uh, nobody's got to lose out. Everybody's got to lose out. And I'm sorry, but I think it's Hearts as Donald Duck that they haven't been good enough this season. If that's where they've ended up in the league, that's where they should be going. I totally agree with you as well I, I, I've, I've said it before that We've played enough games throughout the season Listen the season isn't finished And I, I get that But I think we've played enough games this season That teams are where they are in the league Because of their form over a, a period of time um, And we're going to have to make tough decisions As you say Teams are going to have to compromise Teams at the top of the league are having to compromise As you say Celtic were on to do a, a, another treble And and again, teams aren't going to get to lift their trophy, so everything's out the window this season. But I think to reconstruct a league for one or two seasons just to satisfy certain teams, I just don't think it's right. It's got to be for long t- long term of Scottish football's benefit. Here's a, a sort of bizarre question, Paul. Apart from the obvious, what, what are you missing the most about the football? I mean, it's Friday night. We all just so used to that routine of. By this point Hughes made numerous terrible predictions For Saturday afternoon That's what I miss the most There's a wee option from left field I miss Hugh Keevan terrible match predictions the most Is there something Maybe that's something that you took for granted previously That you're missing most about your weekend routine uh, I'm just missing the It's not, not just It's my, my son's football And uh, And I'm just I'm just missing the day out. I'm just missing moaning about it, loving it, being happy about it. I'm missing winding people off at my work. I'm missing but to be honest, do you know, I think it was maybe getting a wee bit too serious and it was starting to mess with people's heads, but uh, I just, I'm, I'm I just miss everything about it to be honest. Absolutely, everyone about it. Yeah, I mean, Hugh. I had a much worse production. Everybody does. Hugh, we had a caller on earlier in the week, and I, I wish I could remember the name because I feel it deserves a mention. Um, we basically said for all the, you know, the top flight stuff and the stuff that, that we're we're arguing about, he actually misses going to watch his son play football more than more than anything else. And you kind of you forget how wide ranging the the game is. We're focused on who gets the title, who gets relegated, but it means a lot more than that to people. Well, I'm glad you brought that particular point up, Gordon, because uh, my six-year-old grandson, Noah, uh, is so into his football. And he had football classes in an indoor centre in Mulgai uh, a couple of times a week, and he loved it. And he can't go anymore. And he doesn't understand why he can't go anymore. And, uh, you know, it's a real... 
I looked into his eyes yesterday. He was sorrowful. You know, why can't I go at the football? Uh, and it, it affects everyone. But it'll be back when it's safe to be back. And I have to look after my grandson as well. I want him going when it's safe for him to go. How is the, the, the new device you've got? I understand the, the, the fact people will be worrying you looked into your grandson's eyes, but it was from a safe distance. You've now been given the technology yeah. to check in on them via video call. You've not broken it yet? Honestly, you would, <laughs> you would kill yourself laughing. It, it ceased working. Of course it did. Uh, be, be, because of a Wi-Fi problem. So the hotshot son-in-law came up and uh, had a, a go at it. There you are, I've fixed it. And he, was, he wasn't back in his own house before. It was unfixed. And the lady of the house took charge today, ordered me out of the room. Nobody come near and she got it to work. What's it called again? A portal? You've been got one of these yeah. portals that I've seen advertised yeah. on the TV. You've joined the 21st century. Yeah, I have a portal. I also have an Alexa. I have a machine from Radio Clyde. I am the most untechnical man in Britain and I'm full of technology. You're a modern man. Right, let's quickly check in on tonight's teaser. Graham Brunton sent in the question. Uh, he says, since the introduction of squad numbers at the start of 98-99, name the 11 players to wear number nine for Rangers before Jermaine Defoe came in and took it. Mikey has got most of them. In fact, he thinks he's got them all and that we've... Counted too much But um, no I think I think we're okay We've got Chris Boyd Kenny Miller John Daly Are there any Right out of left field here Is it Back in the day 98 With Mark Falco Um, No No you're miles off time yeah, Do you know yeah. what Actually I think Mikey Mikey always keeps me right On Twitter I think he's right I think there's one on this list Twice and it's probably my fault There we go You're okay So you're actually You're one closer to the end I think we're only looking for um, Ten Negri? No. Did El Hajj Juf wear it? No. Right, let's. I'll try and steer you in the right direction, era wise. So you've got John Daly and you've got Kenny Miller. Mm -hmm. So what about in between Kenny Miller's first spell and and John Daly? So. Yep. You know, the end of sort of 2011 12. I mean, what, what good, never? good player. No, no. This guy went to the English Premier League, I think, afterwards. I'm assuming it was the. Yeah, I think it was. He's Croatian. Oh, Jelovic. Yeah, Nikita Jelovic. Okay. That's all? No. Yeah, just to recap, you're actually only looking for 10, not 11, like I said. How many I have we put got? someone in twice. You've got four. Four. Six to go. Right, we'll give you some thinking time, we'll get them next. The Full Time Teaser with scottishsun.co.uk. Get all the latest football news and opinion. Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors. Your comeback is on. Talk to Thompson's.com. Right, we're on the final home stretch Tonight's Clyde 1 Super Scoreboard There's a bit of work to be done though For Hugh Keevans and Cammy Bell On the teaser So we're looking for Everyone who has worn the number 9 for Rangers As their official squad number So that started 98-99 Jermaine Defoe's got it at the moment And there were 10 players in between I think So you've got Daly, Yelovich, Miller, Boyd What did you get during the break Hugh? Well you see we've been thinking 
consonants. Now I'm thinking vowels. Players <laughs> whose names end in vowels. Okay. And I'm seeing Dado Prusso. Yes. And I'm seeing Tori Andre Flo. Well done, Cammy. I think you come up with one. Yes, uh, Gordon Jury. Gordon Jury. Well done. So one. Ends in a vowel. <laughs> one, two, three to get. Okay, I'll, I'll leave it there. Tom is a Rangers fan on the line. Hi, Tom. <coughs> How's it going, UK? Hi, Gordon. Hi, panel. Uh, doing fine. Good man. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I'd like to say I completely disagree with Cammy and you about uh, restarting the season. Uh, I don't think if we, I think if we don't do something very soon, uh, Scottish football could be laid to waste, and we'll be looking back a year from now at you know something that isn't recognisable today. And the fact that the English and the, the Spanish, the Italians, the Germans are all looking into this means it's not a crazy idea. And I think it's all boils down to one thing. I'll put it as very, very simple. What you do is you create a closed community of uh, players, of officials, referees and so on, of ground staff, of TV people, of security people and whoever else is needed. A closed community who are all kind of quarantined after they've been brought into the community. And you test them. You test them regularly. Who pays for the testing, Tom? They don't have a virus. Who pays for the testing? Well, I'll come to that, but okay. I think we can actually generate money from this. I think there's an appetite for football just now, and people would uh, buy packages of games. Uh, we'd have to talk to the TV companies. I'm sure they'd be reasonable about this, but they would buy packages of games, and this could pay for all of this. But at the end of the day, what you're doing, and this is this one simple idea, you would create this community, however many as it'll be hundreds of people, that it will be the tightest, uh, the safest, most protected community in the whole of Great Britain. Uh, I mean, if there's any chance of uh, a community being created that wouldn't get the virus, this would be it. And from there, we could then go off and play the games, maybe in neutral venues, um, and have it uh, all broadcast and, and packages of six games. You play them twice a week, packages of six games twice a week, maybe Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And once you've done the ramp-up time for the players, say four or five weeks, it takes you four or five weeks to finish the season, and it's done. And what you've done is you've raised... An unusual amount of money, I would sure, I'm sure it would happen, which would pay for the testing and would help to defer the costs for the clubs that are really, really under threat. Okay, even if we could, Tom, if we could, and that still seems like a massive if. Do you not think there's a there's a, a bit of an, an issue here with the fact that key workers across the country can't get tested, but we're willing to pay and test players so that St Mirren can take on Hamilton Ackies? Does that not seem a bit strange? It does seem a bit strange. Uh, there's a lot of strangeness about this, Gordon. I mean, the fact that uh, people in supermarkets or people driving vehicles are doing all sorts of jobs are going out there, you know, risking their lives, uh, while others can stay at home and work from home or whatever else that they're doing. I mean, that's kind of strange as well. Um, I think if we can generate the money through football to pay for the test, then so be it. And more and more tests are becoming available. I mean, I'm seeing this every day. Uh, The whole thing is being ramped up, so I don't think that will be an issue over the next uh, few weeks or so. But it's it's certainly, I mean, it's certainly a problem. It is a a kind of moral problem from a practical point of view. uh, I don't think it would actually be a big issue at all. Uh, It would be dipping into an an ever-increasing pool of tests. Yeah, I mean, Hugh, Tom says, you know, Italy are considering it England are considering it Spain are considering it It shows it's not a crazy idea But at the same time France aren't And Belgium aren't And the Netherlands aren't So it kind of depends Who you want to compare yourself to To suit suit your own position Tom's plan is completely impractical And utterly nonsensical 
It would cost in the realms of £5 million to provide the coronavirus testing for players and officials for the number of teams required to see off the season. Five million pounds. Where have you got and, that figure uh, from? It's not that I don't believe you. I've just not. I've not seen it. I don't. Uh, for, uh, yeah, it has been uh, estimated, and I've read it in print. Five million pounds to cover the cost of the round of matches it would take to complete our season, and the number of people who would have to be tested. And remember, players have to be tested before the game, after the game, and uh, this quarantined area that Tom speaks of. Uh, we're supposed to have 12 teams with uh, all of the attendant facilities that they need, uh, and they all have to be fed. So what about the people who have to come in and feed them? Uh, how do you know they're not going to bring in the virus? And uh, if we have one coronavirus victim, uh, then that mm. his club have to close down. And for me, as I say, the plan shows a total disregard for public safety, a total disregard for everything that the Scottish Government and the, uh, the NHS are trying to do Completely impractical, utterly nonsensical, and a non-starter. Don't get me wrong, Tom. I know you've thought about this more than, than maybe Hugh's given you some credit for in the sense that you talk about people coming in to make food or whatever. Your idea is built around the assumption that everyone gets tested. So it's, it's a controlled environment. You're not intending on, on leaving anything up to chance. That still, it still sounds... I mean, could we really pull that off, Tom? This is the country that spent the last few weeks arguing about a vote. Yeah, I know, and I, I wish that thing would be over uh, sooner rather than later. Because, I mean, th- this is important. This is about the future of the game. And I know you said that football's trivial in the grand scheme of things. I completely agree. But in another way, it's very, very important to the psyche of, 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 of people throughout the world, you know. Uh, getting it back soon is going to be a good thing. But the, 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 key, the key point is this, that the, the, the group that you would get together would be protected, you know. Uh, they, they, there would be very little chance and we've got to come back from this at some point we've got to get out of this situation at some point and when we do that it's going to be taking big risks it's going to have to be done gradually and taking a big risk what I'm talking about here is creating something that absolutely minimises the risk the risk becomes as small as you can make it you can never totally eliminate it but this makes the risk as small as you can make it yeah. and I just hope that somebody like Fraser Wishart is listening to this talking to the players and saying what do you think of an idea like that you think we could do mm-hmm. it well, get everybody together and if the idea is, is unfeasible financially or whatever let's, let's, let's go that way but at least let's talk about it rather than just throwing up our hands and saying oh we have to wait and see what the big boys do yeah I'm not sure that's exactly what's happening in front of you mentioned Fraser we had him on the other night he's on one of the subcommittees set up by the Scottish FA and SPFL's Joint Coronavirus Response Group to look. In fact, that's his. That's what his subcommittee will be. Hugh, he's going to be um, on on the the group that's looking at sort of stadia and, and how you can make it safe in the, in the surrounding environment and so on. You, you could have a quarantined area. You could uh, test before and after. But what if it's a contact sport? What if one player infects another then that player takes it back into the dressing room and that club then finds they've got a coronavirus victim mm. and they have to go into quarantine for a fortnight it takes one player to bring Tom's idea tumbling down yeah, I think you're actually both right though because that's the whole I'm not saying for a second we could pull this off but but that's Tom's point that that wouldn't happen if they're tested before and after you, you, you control the group and you limit it again I'll repeat it for effect I'm not saying we could pull it off, Cammy, but it 
It can be done It could be done With the money But again It's more to do with The practical obstacles And, and maybe even A morality issue as well Again again, We're talking about money The English Premier League Are, are the only going to do it Because they can throw As much money as they want They can throw in Hundreds of millions But Scottish football's not got that money And, and again Morally I, d- I don't think it's right When people are still Dying from this And, and we're then Taking risks is, is it then as a player Am I putting myself at risk I've got a family I've got kids And then Mm-hmm. For saying sake that one of the players catch it and and then have passed yeah. it on again or, or again. Even... Tom's idea would be that you're tested, so no one's got it, and then you're not exposed to anyone Anything, who, who but could. How do, you, how do you do that in Scottish football? That's, that's almost. Yeah, it would need an it, incredible it, testing yeah, regime. Yeah, and you're having to stay in hotels. I'm guessing. Yeah, and and stay away from your family for yep. for two months. I just think it's it's a, it's a non-starter There's too much money involved in that And, and it's very mm. unpractical There is a lot of truth though Tom I mean it, yeah it can make it We know it makes a big difference to the economy And clubs might not be here if we hang around And it makes people feel better and all that So that might well be true I still don't know if it means we could pull it off Thank you very much for speaking to us though Tom A lot of food for thought So hopefully we will speak to you again soon You two have got work to get down to though Before we finish tonight We're still looking for one, two Three more players that have worn the number nine for Rangers Since official squad numbers came in at the start of the 98-99 season So Defoe has it at the moment um, You've got Daly, Jelovic, Miller, Boyd, Purcell, Flo and Jury, And you've got three to get Oh that's an ominous silence We need clues You need clues um, Okay Right let's start at the furthest back so again, falls into that category that some of the others A European player from a, a well-known European footballing nation Very good player um, Around 99 to 2001 Probably could have gone on to be even better Were it not for a serious injury, Hugh So in between Jury and Flo He's Dutch Oh, uh, Michael Moles Michael <sighs> Moles Okay now fast forward with me a couple of years 2003-04 Good career down in the English Premier League this guy It just didn't translate up here So he, he It wasn't James B No Right Same club though Down south Who was his club down south? Southampton oh. Cammy knows it He just can't I can see it in his face He just Can't Did, shows, did he only play with Southampton? Initials Hugh E-O E-O Now put you out your misery Eagle Austinstad oh, Remember him? Yes And the last one I knew you'd forget this one He was the number nine Immediately before Jermaine Defoe Umar Sadiq I knew you'd forget it Remember him oh Hugh? My. Right thanks to Hugh and Cammy. GBX up next Live streamed on Facebook We are back on Monday night Super Scoreboard With Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors Tackling compensation claims for more than 40 years Talk to thompsons.com